This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning. So good to see you out today. Been through one service today already, and it was good, good. So I'm ready to go to preach the Word of God to you. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up real high, our ushers will get it. Once you got a Bible, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go from Ephesians 4 to Numbers 23. So if you want to start heading those directions, Ephesians 4 and then Numbers 23. So just some highlights for you to begin today pertaining to the Word of God there in Matthew 24. The Lord Jesus said that, that my words will by no means pass away. My words will no means pass away. So that tells me this right here, that, that God's Word is not outdated. You can call it old-fashioned, but it's not what He just said. And then again in the book of uh, Luke chapter, or John chapter 8, verse 32, the Lord Jesus said this, only the truth will set you free. So we're going to get into the area of the truth through the Word of God today, and I, I believe this is going to be so good. This will live here differently than you came. So begin with me in Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and don't sin. Better stated, when angry, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Some translation says, don't give opportunity to the devil. The Amplified says, do not give room or foothold to the devil. Now, the Greek word for the word place right here is a word called topos, which literally means believers can actually give ground to the devil. And so I can open up the door to the things of, of Satan, and when I open up my life to those things, those things become the driving force of my life. Now, I'm going to quote you another verse here. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. The compensation of sin or the retribution of, of sin is death. So when I read that, my thinking goes this way. Okay, if the consequences of sin is death, what would be the wages of righteousness? Life. It would be blessing. It would be the goodness of God. And I believe with all my heart, that's what God wants every one of us in this room to experience is his goodness. Now, turn with me to the book of Numbers, chapter 23. And as you're turning to Numbers 23, you may say, where are they at? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. So it's going to be way back there in the front, or in the front, not way back there. So again, here's the thought. What have I forfeited in my life because of my choice to live in sin? And I believe that pertains to every one of us in here. So when we head to this story right here, and we're going to be in Numbers 23, Numbers 24, and Numbers 25, this is a passage about a king named Balak. Now, Balak was a Moabite king. And if you've ever studied the Bible, or if you haven't studied the Bible, the, the Moabites were part of a, a crazy way of coming about in life. They were from a man named Lot and his two daughters. So again, it was crazy. But anyhow, this guy named Balak, he was the king of the Moabites. And he's very frustrated with the, the Jews or the Israelites. And so what he does is he sends for this prophet named Balaam. 
And what he wants to do is he wants to hire Balaam to curse the Israelites or to put a curse on them. Now, Balaam is smart enough to realize, I, I can't do that without asking God. So he goes to God, and now we pick up in chapter 23, verse 16. Then the Lord met Balaam, and he put a word in his mouth, and he said, Go back to Balak, and thus you shall speak. So he came to him, and there he was standing by his burnt offering, and the princes of Moab were with him. And Balak said to Balaam, What has the Lord spoken? Then he took up his, or, his oracle, and he said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie. God doesn't lie. Nor a son of man, he's not like a human that he should repent for, repent for what he's promised. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? So literally he's saying here, God has never spoken and failed to act. God has not promised and not carried it out. Verse 20, Behold, I received a command to bless God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. So again, he begins to tell, this is what the Lord said to him. Now, there's a reason here that he said, God is blessed, and I can't reverse it. Now, watch why he can't do that, verse 21. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob. The word iniquity means sin or lawless deeds. So he's saying right here, because I can find no iniquity in him. Keep reading. Nor has he seen wickedness or trouble in Israel. The Lord his God is with him. And the shout of a king is among them. Their praise to their king or to their God. So literally what he's saying here. I can't find habitual patterns of sin in their life. And on top of that they are a people that love to praise God. They love to worship God. Now, turn to chapter 24. And we'll look at a little more here. So he tells Balak all this. Now, this is Numbers 24, verse 10. Then Balak's anger was aroused against Balaam. He was mad because Balaam wouldn't curse him. And he struck his hands together. He was so mad. He was talking to Balaam. And I believe to really get his attention, man, it said he slapped his hand together. Like, pay attention, buddy. Listen. So he struck his hand together, and Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, and look, you have bountifully blessed them these three times. You persistently blessed them. I wanted you to curse them, but you wouldn't do it. Verse 12, so Balaam said to Balak, did I not also speak to your messengers whom you sent to me, saying, If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord to do good or bad or of my own will. What the Lord says, I must speak it. So what you begin to see over in this is the root of this guy named Balaam is he's full of greed. 
He'll do anything he can to get his hands on the, the king's riches, his gold and his silver. And so literally that's what he's mad about here. He wants to curse them because he wants that gold and that silver, but he can't do it. So time goes on, and this, this prophet named Balaam, he says, I got an idea. I got an idea how we can get the Israelites to be cursed. Chapter 25, verse 1. Now watch this. Now Israel remained in the Cassia Grove, which is in the desert. And the people of Israel began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. The New International Version said they indulged in sexual immorality with the Moabite women. So here's what you got to see here. The only way they could be cursed is they had to get into sin. And so you know what they do? They strategically send these women to Moab into their camp. And it says here that these men of Israel begin to commit harlotry with them. So literally they open the door through sexual immorality or sexual relationships with these Moabites, these Moab women. Now, when I say that to you, understand in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says this, that sexual sin is the only sin which human beings sin against themselves. Better stated, when you or me get into sexual sins outside of what God calls sin, we defile ourselves. So the Israelites' problem here, their greatest problem wasn't the Moab army. Their greatest problem was, would they compromise the standards of the Word of God? Would they relax their standards? So again, sin has a way of growing out of control. Now, when I say that, Watch what takes place in verse 2 and verse 3. Keep reading here with me. They invited the people, they invited the Israelites to the sacrifices of their gods. Now pay close attention to that word gods there. It's little g, okay? So it's not the real deal. Keep reading. And the people ate and they bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor. Not a big deal. What's, what's, what's wrong with that? And so literally, they participated then in their local feast, and their thought was this, that's harmless. They went to these Moabites' family celebrations. It's harmless. And the Israelites, for, for fun and pleasures, caused them to relax their standards. Now, here's the question for me and you right now. Are there any areas in my life or your life that I've relaxed my standards to fulfill my desires and my pleasures? See, oftentimes we have the thought, it's harmless. It's not that big of a deal, but is it in God's eyes? Now, when it says they did all this, look how God looks at it at the end of verse 3. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. 
God wasn't real pleased with it. Remember, God's word won't ever change. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun. Not a big deal, huh? So he's saying you get the ringleaders and every one of those that got over into sexual immorality, I want you in broad daylight to hang every one of them. Not a big deal. Verse 5. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. This was how significant this was to God. Verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a midnight woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. I want you to picture this, okay? Here's all these believers. They're weeping and they're crying out to God at the tabernacle of the meeting. I, I believe they were in this position. I believe they were repenting to God and they were crying out to God, Father God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us. And it says right in front of the eyes of Moses and all the children who were at the temple, this one knucklehead, and his name was Zimri, and he was at the tribe of Simeon. He comes praying right in front of him, and he's got a Midianite woman. Now, you know what he does? He takes her right into his tent. In other words, you know what he's saying? How do you like that, fellas? So literally, this was blatant defiance. It was brazen defiance right in front of their eyes. Now, there's two things that jump off of that in the New Testament. The first one is Hebrews 13. Verse 4, it says this, Marriage is honorable among all. And the marriage bed is undefiled. Whoa. It didn't say the bed was undefiled. It said the marriage bed was undefiled. So again, you can blow that off. You can say that's old school, that's outdated. Remember, the Word of God doesn't change. Thank you for the two amens. Thank you. The second area is 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14. And it says, for believers, if you are a child of God, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So you know what? You can violate that. Go ahead, but God's not going to bless it. And so literally, this guy right here, he breaks two of their commandments right there. And he's looking at them like, what's the matter with a little sin? Watch what takes place here in verse 7, 8. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron the priest, he saw it. He rose from the congregation and he took his javelin in his hand. Now think about this. This is a young guy named Phinehas and he sees this guy parade this woman in front of him. 
It doesn't say he applauded and say, way to go, buddy, impressive. He didn't say, it's okay. He takes this javelin, verse 8, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and he thrust both of them through the men of Israel and the woman through her body. Now, if I was at the men of iron, I would go a lot crazier on you, okay? I got to be a little careful in here. This guy's in his tent with this woman, and this man named Finus, he takes that tent, and I mean that javelin, and he pierces right through him. Harmless. No big deal. Keep reading. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. When I look at this, He didn't approve of their sin. He didn't endorse their sin. He didn't say, okay. He didn't say, pat him on the back. Oh, listen, listen, Zimri, if it feels good, do it. No, it ticked him off because he knew what was taking place. And because of this one's man action, the plague was stopped. Now watch this with the plague here. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. 24,000 of men that were the Israelites died in that plague because they got over in sexual immorality. Woo! What God think of it? Verse 10. Then the Lord spoke to Finus saying, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Finus the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal. His passion was my passion among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Literally, he did what was right in God's eyes. He said this, I'm going to stand up for what pleases God. But you know what? We live in a society. The Word of God's outdated. It's old. you you got to catch up to how we live now. See, it comes to this. As a believer, I'm either going to live by the Word of God or I'm not. And when I don't, there's consequences. But when I do, watch the blessing that comes upon this guy named Finus. Therefore, say, behold, I give to him, Finus, my covenant of peace. God said, man, I'm going to bless him with peace. How many of you in here like the peace of God? I like the peace of God. You know what the peace of God is? When all the world can be chaotic, and I got a peace that resides on the inside of me. And he said, I'm going to give you a covenant of peace. Watch what else he tells him. Therefore, be sold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him, Finus, and his descendants, his children and his grandchildren after him, a covenant of an everlasting priesthood. Why? Because he was zealous for his God and he made atonement or covering for the children of God. So when you look at this right here, this guy knew. This man named Finus, he knew. If I don't put a stop to the sin that's in this camp, it'll wipe every one of us out. So when I look at all this, 
There's a cross-reference into Psalm 106. Come with me to the 106th Psalm. And I want you to see this right here. Psalm 106. And when you get there, we will begin in verse 28. But there's joy in the forgiveness of sins is what this whole chapter is about. And over and over it talks about the Israelites, how they sin. So we pick up 106, Psalm 106 verse 28. They, our ancestors, they joined themselves also to Baal of Peor. And they ate sacrifices made to the dead. Thus they provoked God to anger with their deeds, their actions, and their lifestyles. And the plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and he intervened and the plague was stopped. So I begin to look right there. The only way that plague was stopped was this one man intervened. So how did he intervene? He got rid of the, the sin in their camp. Now, to help you understand this, I'm going to read the same chapter out of the message translation. This is Psalm 106, verse 28 through 31 in the message. Then they linked up with Baal Peor, attending funeral bank banquets and eating idle food. That made God so angry that a plague spread throughout their ranks. Finus stood up and pled their case, and the plague was stopped. This was counted to his credit. His descendants will never forget it. Now, a minute ago, we used the word, Finus intervened. This time, if you notice there, it said Finus stood up and he pled. He pled. He pled their case. He pled their cause. In other words, this man stood in the gap to stop it all. So I'm reading this. And as I begin to look at this, I had the thought, how much more our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, intervenes on our behalf and pleads on our behalf. And so when you begin to see this, I believe today these, these next few scriptures, they're going to help you incredibly, okay? Go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. Now remember... The only thing that separates us from a relationship with God is sin and sin that is not repented of. Now, it's bad to sin, but it's bad to habitually sin. Where you sin willfully over and over and over, okay? Without ever repenting and without ever turning from it. Hebrews 9 Verse 22, and according to the law, almost all things are purified or cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission. Now, let me, let me describe or give you words for this word remission. There is no way to send away a release from bondage. 
There is no remission without blood for imprisonment, for dismissal, for canceling out all judgment, for getting rid of punishment, an obligation of debt. Okay? Apart from the shedding of Jesus Christ's blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So literally what this tells me right here, I've got to learn to live under the blood of Jesus. Now I don't care how much you've sinned, okay? The blood of Jesus will cover it. The blood of Jesus will wash you. The blood of Jesus will, will cleanse you. It'll, it'll, it'll take guilt and shame. How do I get the blood of Jesus to walk in my life? I, I must come before him in an attitude of faith. And when I ask him to forgive me and wash me, now understand this, guys. I'm not saved by my works. Only Jesus can save me. I'm not righteous because of my works. Only Jesus can qualify me as righteous. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. The only way I'm forgiven, it's not by me doing great for two or three days. Woo, I, I haven't done this for two or three. That's not what forgives me. Only learning to apply the blood of Jesus. And so listen, the same way that I give my heart to Jesus, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth, is the same way I appropriate forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. So I come before God and I say, Father God, I've sinned. Now, according to 1 John 1, 9, he said, if you'll confess your sin. So you know what that would look like for me and you? Father God, I've committed this sin. And I encourage you, when you repent of your sins to God, call it what it is. And be a man or woman and own up to say, I did this out of my own free will. And Father God, I ask you to forgive me for lying. I ask you to forgive me for, for sexual immorality. I ask you to forgive me. And then the only way I receive that is I receive that by faith. Because God's word said that if you'll confess your sin, he's faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. you got to receive that by faith. you got to believe this is what I've done. One last passage of scripture. Go with me to Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12. Now, here's another way that you're going to see the blood of Jesus kick in for you, okay? You got to get this. Revelations 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, not tomorrow, not next year, now. And strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, if you go back and you look in this passage here, it says the accuser of the brethren. The accuser of the brethren is the devil. Okay? And it says, he, the accuser of the brethren, goes before God day and night, and he accuses them. The them in that verse is the brethren. So if you're born again, the devil's he's petitioning God. He's going against you, and it's like a, case, a, a, a court case. 
And so this is how it would look. He goes before God and accuses the brethren. And he says, Father God, have you seen the rap sheet on Joel Herrera? Have you seen the sin? Let me help you a little more. Have you seen the rap sheet, the pages of sin on Pastor Stormy? I'm throwing myself in there because that's how it would look. And so it's like a court of law. And so what happens is God, as you stand up, and he looks and he says, how do you plead? Well, the truth of the matter is I'm guilty. I'm guilty of all the sin he's telling him. I'm telling you, I'm guilty. But you know in heaven, there's something greater than his accusations. And it's called the blood of Jesus. So I stand before Father God. And I say, Father God, I plead the blood of Jesus. And the devil says, objection, your honor. I want to see the evidence and the proof. And Father God says, bring in the next witness. And you know who comes strolling in? The Lord Jesus. And you know what the Lord Jesus does? He pulls off his robe and he puts it down and he shows the stripes on his back. And he looks at Father God and shows him the fingerprints, the nail holes. And you know what Father God does? Father God grabs the gavel and he pounds a cord and says, innocent, and there goes my Bible. And he says, innocent. And let me quote Revelations 12, 11. It says, and they, the brethren, me and you, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so until we learn to get under the blood, we're going to continuously live in defeat. We're going to continuously live in shame and guilt. And we're going to walk around with our head bowed, even though there was a price that's already been paid for every one of us. And so when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, you're part of the brethren. And so when I become a part of the brethren, you have just as much right as every one of us in here to the blood of Jesus. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. You're right, I may not know what you've done. But biblically, I know what the blood of Jesus has done. And so I continuously stand on the blood of the Lamb. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. So here's the deal. When you have issues within your life, within your heart, Within your eyes. Have you ever had issues within your eyes? Thank you for being honest. The rest of you probably ought to raise your hands too. Problem with your eyes, Pastor? I said, Lord Jesus, wash my eyes in the blood. How many of you have ever had problems with your thought life? Can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. What did he say, Margaret? In other words, there's going to be thoughts that'll try to come 
It's not a sin when those thoughts come. It's a sin when you act on those thoughts. Oh, Lord, I speak the blood over my mind right now. I don't know if you've ever done this. I lay hands on my head. I say, I speak the blood over my mind. I speak the blood over my eyes. I speak the blood over my ears. Wash me. Wash me. See, again, it's when I have habitual sin in my life that I never turn from, that I never repent of. That's when it's scary and dangerous. Well, pastor, we live under grace. If you think that teaching of grace, you can sin all you want, and there's no consequences, you're playing with fire, okay? That's not what grace was there to give you a license to sin. You do well enough sinning without a license. How do you know that? Because that's me. So here's how God works with me today. I'm up real early this morning, and I'm studying. I got a long sleeve white shirt on, and I'm drinking coffee. I don't believe in lids, ever. So I, I finish my, my studying and my concentration looking in the Word, and I go in to shave, and I look in the mirror, and right here, about the size of my fist, right here, is that big of a spot of coffee. Now I can tell you this, I didn't habitually do it. I don't, I don't do it to personally offend Shelly. I was going to use another word, but I better not say that. I don't do it to make her mad. I didn't do it intentionally, but I did it. Do you know what I found now? If I'll apply that stain stick on there immediately, I know this for a fact. If you let coffee set in there very long, it's in. I've ruined a few things. But if you'll get that stain stick out and apply that quickly, man, I'm telling you, it'll remove that dude. What's your point, Pastor? There's times in my life I, I don't willfully sin. I don't, I don't get up today and say, you know what? I'm going to sin. I'm going to get in sexual sin today. Whoa! I don't do that. But if I ever get to a place and I stumble and fall, the best thing I can learn to do is say, Father God, I blew it. Wash me in the blood. Keep me in right relationship with you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.